I always love On Demand because that means you can hear the word when you want to, where you want to. And today's sermon is especially important because it talks about the life-changing decisions of a father. How one father decided to be different in the midst of a very challenging season. There's nothing like when your kids reject you. There's nothing like when they say no, when you are trying to guide them in the right path. There's nothing like seeing your kids believe lies that you know aren't true. Well, this story is powerful because it tells you and shows you how a father can make a decision that can change everything. One father made a courageous decision. It's a story that many people focus on the son oftentimes, but I want to show you how to focus on the dad today. It's really going to be great. So again, stay with us. My name is Ricky Temple. It's going to be amazing. Can't wait to see how you respond to this powerful word. Be back in just a minute to pray for you. So stay right there and enjoy today's word. And guess what? Share it with a friend if it blesses your life. Enjoy this. Repeat the top with me, please, today. Say the life-changing decisions of a father. Today, we'll look at how one father changed everything. I was at a home going for a family and was deeply touched by a moment in that home going when the big boys got up to talk about their stepfather who came into their life and they, with tears in their eyes, cried, and said, he saved us. It brought tears to my eyes. I've never heard men say that. And uh, the the father got up and um, stood by these boys. And they cried. And the loss of their mother was a horrible moment. But when they said those words, it did something in my heart. It, It made me realize the power of one person. The question is, are you that guy? Sometimes as a man, if you're not careful, the emphasis is on authority, power, control, being strong. But strength is not always manifested the same way. Sometimes the strongest guys are the guys with the biggest muscles and the biggest you know, car and the biggest paycheck. Sometimes the strongest guys are the guys with the strongest character. It's the ability to control your temper, control yourself. So real power is seen. It's the capacity to guide and to lead. It's like the karate kid, remember? Wax on, wax off. You're not always demonstrating it in an overt way. It's just that when your kids get into a fight in life, they know how to wax on and wax off. There's this sense of, of awareness that they have that you taught them that you didn't know you were teaching. They just do good under pressure. They manage crisis well because your children, those around you, learn that from you. I thought it'd be great today to look at a guy who models this, a guy who was the one father, and there are several, but this one guy who was amazing. So let me start with a question. I always love questions. What did your father do that changed your life? Let's start with that. If you were to to articulate, summarize for me, what your dad did or didn't do positively or negatively in your life, what would it be? What would it sound like? Some would say he was present. Some would say he was engaged in my life. Some would say he was honest. My dad told the truth. Some would say he was repentant. When he was wrong, he changed his mind. He didn't just act like he was right. 
Some would say he was spiritually truthful. He said he was a God-fearing man, and he was. Some would say he was a person who was consistent. Some would say he was faithful to my mother. That's what some would say. But there are some who couldn't say that. Everything on this list, you would turn around and say the opposite is true. He was not faithful to my mother. He was not consistent. He was not. He was not. You can go down the list either way you want to. But the question does raise something in your mind. How did those things affect you? How did they change your life? Now, I want to be clear here that, guys, it is a little bit unfair how people define us. Because normally when people say a little crazy, they never blame their mama. Most of the time they blame the daddy as if the daddy was the bad guy. And a lot of times, you know, guys, we earn that a little bit. There are some statistics that I want to show you that I think are profound. I call these just the facts. Well, I don't call them that. That's what the fatherhood um, initiative calls them. And there are several images I want you to see. The first one is this. This is amazing. Children raised in a father absent home are more likely to experience behavior challenges or problems. Now, I, I want to be, be clear. In our review of this, you know, before I, I preached it, we have this little sermon review, and one of the uh, conversations was, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, but every, you're not saying every time there's something bad that there's not a father present. I said, no, no. But statistically, when you look at stats, and, it's, and some people get bothered by stats. Stats are just facts. We're just looking at what the truth is. This is what the numbers say. And God gave us numbers for a reason. You have a great impact on the behavior of your kids. Your presence, your involvement affects them. That's why I love the little look on the little girl's face. I think it's great. Secondly, this is an amazing fact. Compared to uh, pregnant women without father uh, support, pregnant women with their father support experience a lower prevalence of pregnancy loss, 22% compared to 48%. That is amazing. You affect babies, the birth of babies, just your presence, your, and your involvement. That's key key term, involvement. Third thing was amazing to me. Ready? Just the facts. There are 2 million single father households versus 10 million single mother households in the U.S. Now, you may have thought fathers didn't keep babies, but fathers, there's two million fathers who are taking care of the children alone. I just read a story this morning of a father, um, the la- one of the latest, latest shootings. Um, it's a heartbreaking article. I, I just can't remember where it was. It was uh, the, one of the last ones, and uh, the woman was killed, and the father had a picture of the father. Uh, he said they didn't expect to be alone on Father's Day with his two-year-old. It's a powerful moment. She was an engineer and got shot by a coworker. Wow. The stories and the pains that dads go through sometimes are forgotten about. Here's another fact. Daughters are less likely to engage in risky sexual behavior when they have consistent, big word, contact and a sense of closeness with their dads. They don't have to go look for it in places that it's not you know, you're looking for love, and it's not there. Dads play a role, according to these numbers. Here's another one. One in four children live in a home without a dad. One in four. I love this one. 
Involved dads lead to less distress in toddlers. Toddlers even feel better when you're around. (laughs) Adolescent boys with absent fathers are more likely to engage in delinquency than those with fathers who are present. Amazing. You are important. Your role in what you can do and what you can say and how you can influence their future is amazing. Fathers, you are important. And there's more. You can go look it up on the website. You can go and find out more stats. It's amazing. What I want to do today, though, is look at one guy. Luke 15, verse 11. One guy who made a difference. And what's interesting is he's not named. He's a father that's never named at all. And there's seven great decisions that this nameless father made that were amazing. He is the father of the prodigal son. Have you heard his story before? Because most of the emphasis when you hear the story in Luke 15 is about the prodigal. And the word prodigal means wasteful son. He wasted his life. He basically, if I can summarize the story in Luke 15, he goes to his father and says, hey, listen, I want you to give me the portion of my inheritance and I want to leave home. I, I, I want what's mine. And this is a, a real moment. And, and what's amazing is how this father responds. And I want to... Again, not focus so much on the prodigal, which is where we mostly focus. I'm interested in how the father responded to him, which says something about an amazing man and how he processed. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just read all seven and come back and go back through them, okay? Because I want to make sure you capture the picture I want you to see. First of all, I want you to notice that he looked beyond being disrespected. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Second thing he did was he looked beyond being abandoned. Said everything, please come on. Thirdly, he waited to be remembered. Can you say that, please? Come on. Number four, he waited for an apology. Look at your neighbor and say, that may take a long time. Come on, that may take a long time. That may take a long time. Number five, he offered his son forgiveness. Number six, he embraces a new challenge with his older son. And number seven, he insisted on doing the right thing. Seven decisions. He could have gone in a lot of different directions. When your son comes to you and basically says these words, chapter 15 of Luke, verse 11. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I want what's mine now. Now, in this culture, it's like saying, Dad, you know, I've been waiting for you to die, but since you haven't died yet, can you please just give me (laughs) what belongs to me? Now, you know, you think about what you tell your boy. What would you say? You've been waiting for me to die, and since I'm taking so long, you just want your money now. In that moment, he made a decision. Really. Let me make sure I'm hearing you, boy. You're telling me you want to leave. In that moment, something is revealed. Something I talked about a couple of weeks ago. His hermeneutic. Say H-E-R-M-E. Hermeneutic, hermeneutic, right? N-E-U-T-I-C, hermeneutic. Big word, means interpretation. 
somewhere in this dad's life, he was given a way to think. Your hermeneutic is your, it's the way you process information. It's the way you come to a theological, it's a hermeneutic. It's mainly, mainly used, at least in my world, to describe how I interpret scripture. How did I come to that interpretation? When you hear words, you interpret them. It's interesting how he just was calm. There's no reaction. His hermeneutic, his processing method led him to stay calm. He saw above the disrespect. Can you? Can you see above the words, the attitudes, the neck wobbling and the eyes rolling? He processed it and said, really? Then later on, watch this now, verse 13. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, going to party, got money now. Tired of being under these rules and regulations and all this. I am going away from daddy as far as I can get. Boy, I need left town. You know when your pockets are filled and you got that little sway on you, you know what I'm saying? You're feeling powerful. But come on, say, Daddy could see. Come on, say it again. Say, Daddy could see. This father could see. What you think is out there is not out there. Can you relate to that? No, come on, talk to me. Can you relate to that? Now, some of you were the cool ones in high school. Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Where you at? You, you, was, you was lean and you were mean. You looked sharp. You was, you was so awesome. Look, I tell you, women, you know, you in high school, you used to walk through the hallway and knock them all down. Wow, wow. <laughs> now, if you do that, it keep rolling. It keep going. <laughs> you, can't, you can't throw it around like you used to. You can just keep moving, you know. But here's the deal. You've learned something that you didn't know then. You couldn't see. Daddy had been there. I don't know daddy's history. I don't know daddy's story. I don't know what daddy went through. Daddy could see beyond. And sometimes when things happen with young people, you got to just see beyond the disrespect and the abandonment because you can feel so abandoned. You just think, well, how in the world? I fed you. I didn't kill you when you were little. How in the world? How in the world could you? I know. I'm just saying it's the truth. They, they, they made it this far, you know, and, 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 and then they get big and now you're the dumbest person in the world. You're the dumbest one, don't know anything. You're too protective. You're overprotective. And so you sit there and you just say, well, that's okay because, you know, you can see. Come on, say, I can see. Daddy looked and daddy said, okay, you want to leave. You want to go with the girls and the ladies. You want to be a player. I love to say this. You want to be a player, you're going to be a payer. You're always a payer. You will pay for playing. Playing is not free. When the judge tells you how much you got to pay, whip out. There you go. It's not free. It's not free. It's not free. And forget the, forget the money. Emotionally, it's not free. Kids, you don't know. Calling you up saying, I'm your child. It's emotional. I'm not making fun of you. I'm telling the truth. There's a moment. And daddy saw. Daddy could see. And that's what you need. A daddy that can see. Who doesn't overreact. Daddy could have said, boy, I hurt you if you don't get out of my face. That's what he could have said. But he didn't. He made a decision. 
And then he waited. Verse 17. He waited for this great moment when he would come to himself. I don't know if if, uh, you have a come to yourself story. If I had time, I'd let you tell me some of them. But I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Some of you, I'm going to guess. I had guys tell me one time, say, yeah, I woke up next to somebody, I didn't know who she was. I said, Lord, Jesus, I need God in my life. I don't even know who this person. I was so high last. Wake up, don't know who you with. He said, I came to God. I said, my life is out of control. Going and hunting for people that you don't know. Fantasizing about romance and love. The father knew one day you'll come to yourself. So he was there, and here's what he said. Notice, how many of my father's hired servants, my father's staff, have bread enough to spare, verse 17, and I perish with hunger. Sometimes the father has to wait for the apology. Here's what he said in verse 18. I will arise, and I'm going to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Pause for a minute. This is a boy who had been taught something. He knew what sin was. He could recognize it. And he said, I didn't just sin against my father. I sinned against God. So he had religious training. Boy, been to church, some kind of church, because he knew. Probably church in his house. They didn't have church like this. They had church in the house, like all you feel folks streaming in right now. That's what they had. No, that's true. We have redefined church. Church starts in your house. Did you know that, right? Come on, say amen. Are you right about it? Church starts in your, come on, come on. Am I right about it? Church starts in your, no, 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 no. You want to make this my responsibility. You want to make it my responsibility to save your kids, save you. No, that's your daddy, your house. Your responsibility. Come on, amen. Are you hear what I'm saying to you? That's your job. I'm like a vitamin. I'm a supplement. I'm not the main meal. You should learn character, grace, faithfulness, money management, all that at home. You should learn how to give at where? Home. When he got away from home and he got lost, he remembered what his daddy taught him. I've sinned. I messed up chasing these women, running around here, spent all my money. I messed up. He remembered where he was. And he said, you know, I'm no longer worthy. I really forgot something important. Go back to verse 13 on number two. I forgot something I need to say to you. I, I just got all excited. Look at this. Not many days after the youngest son gathered together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possession with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there you go, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now, follow the flow of this, but really, follow me. He gathered all he had, went and had part fun, wasted it all, verse 14, and then he spent it all, like we can all understand. Then there came a famine. I love this saying. Say, the famine, famine. teaches. teaches. Famine taught him. So he thought about it, and he came to himself, and he said, let me go home. And he went home under number four, and you know, to apologize. And so when he went home to apologize, 
he had a speech. He's going to tell his father when he get home. Father, I rise. I'm going to go to my father's house, and here's what I'm going to say to him. Father, I have sinned. Read it with me, please. Come on, everybody. I have what? Sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no what? Longer worthy to be called your son. Try it again. Father, I have what? Sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. That's the speech. You know, fathers, um, it's always nice when they apologize. Makes you feel good to know they've come to themselves. So he arose. He went home. Verse 20. Came to his father. What's impressive is he knew he could go back. He understood that the man that he left would take him back. But what's amazing is, watch what happened when he was still a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion. And he ran at him. Can you imagine that moment? What, what are you thinking? This guy's running at me. He ran, runs at him. But watch what he does. He fell on his neck. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. And in that culture, you're kissing one side and the other side, and they're hugging, and it's emotional, and there's tears falling, and it's amazing. And, he's, and the son said to his father, hold on, Dad, I got something I prepared for you. Father, I'm no longer worthy. Father, I've sinned against heaven and you in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And remember, the next part of the speech is, make me like one of your what? Hired servants. That's what he's going to say. And the father cuts him off. He doesn't get to say that. (laughs) What's amazing is the father said in verse 22 to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put number one, watch this now, the robe on him, put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. And then I want you to bring the fatty calf. We're going to have a party. Now, I want you to think about this. The robe symbolizes royalty. You are a son. I am reinstating you. Number two, I'm giving you a ring. I'm giving you authority. You can do contracts, sir. You're back in the family business. And number three, you don't wear, you wear shoes because you're no slave. Slaves didn't wear shoes. Amazing. It's an amazing moment. It's a, it's a moment that is one of those, thank God, for this kind of father. Hey, Dad, are you like that? How do you make people dance when they fail you? Do you meet your kids with, I told you, boy, you don't listen to me? What would you have said if you, are you coming up in here? Don't be running. Hey, 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 I don't see what you're coming back home for. Is that your response? <laughs> Not this man. It's amazing how we make our kids dance. Sometimes we celebrate that they failed. I never did like preaching that celebrated sin. Some of you in here, you ain't living nothing. Amen. Some of you are struggling. Call yourself saved, not living right. Amen. You're going to hell. Amen. You don't smile when you say, I'm going to hell. Don't smile. If I'm going to hell, it's frown or something. Look sad. You're going to hell. Don't say that. That's not what we read about this father, who is a picture of God. 
That's the behind-the-scenes message here. The son is, is us. The prodigal is us, wasting our life, pursuing things that don't get us where we want to go. Where God gave us life, gave us everything we asked for, and then we waste it. But he is a picture of the father. God is, you come home to. And he's glad to see you. No mockery, no, no harassment. He goes on later and says, my son was dead, but now he's alive. Man, that is amazing. Here's a question, though. Dad, are you like that? Or do you take joy in your power? You take joy in the fact that you got money and they don't. So, Dad, he had five cars sitting in the driveway. Daughter walking and catching the bus. I said, won't you give her one? Give her one. She ain't going to learn nothing. Yeah, she'll learn she got a good dad. Boys, you know what it's like when you struggle. Because the women, they're professionals on men. Don't say nothing. Just kids going to talk to you. Just me and you, okay? Hang on, ladies. You'll be okay. They have a PhD in woman and man. So they'll tell you you're not a man. And you carry that in your soul. I am so glad my wife never in 38 years of marriage has never told me to be a man. I am a man. I may have issues with I'm a man. Just like you're a woman and you may have issues. If I tell you to be a woman, if you're not careful, you be a man. You're not a man. Let's see what a man won't do. Man won't run out of money. A woman can run out. (laughs) Can I say what I want to say? A man wouldn't cheat, but men are always cheating with women, (laughs) trying to figure this out. Man. You know, I, um, I do pretty good in life. Got a few little accolades, but I'm amazed how small I'm tempted to feel over the smallest things. I taught some preachers yesterday, a couple of days, yeah, yesterday morning in Brunswick. And they were all at the altar, leadership conference. And, and I said, um, while praying for them, I said, do you want to know my greatest challenge? One of the things that I fight? And they all said, I said, well, ask me. So th- do the same. Say, what is, the, what is one of the greatest things you fight? Come on. Because you ask. Here it is. Here's what it is. <laughs> Insecurity. Did you preach a good sermon, Pastor Rick? How are you close looking? Uh, did, you, did you raise the offering right? Did you, did you talk about, did you, did you, are you okay? Um, how are you treating your staff? How are the properties looking? Is it safe? Is it secure? Um. What are you going to preach for the rest of the month? 
It's a long list. It's a long list. And then the, here's, the, here's the kicker. What you didn't do right. You spend, your, you spend your emotional life as a man looking back, dwelling on what you didn't do right. For some of you, you got kids you're ashamed to see. You don't call them because it's embarrassing to you. You're mad today because they didn't call you because there's this tension. Call them. Stop sitting by the phone waiting for a phone call. But I didn't do enough. Say it. Calling you on Father's Day. I know I didn't do enough for you, but I want you to know I love you and I'm going to do better. What if they're not nice to me? Be nice to yourself. You cannot always get what you want. Sometimes like this, Dad, you've got to wait. Sometimes the apology doesn't come. Sometimes it's awkward. Everything is awkward. You don't like their mama. I'm sorry, you can't stand their mama. <laughs> you hate their mama. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it's strong. Now. It's strong. For some of you, it's strong. <sighs> but this father and this son are a picture. But it's not just these two guys. I'm going to close with this last guy. It's the, it's the brother. Once the father gets the son back, right, then he has this surprise challenge he has to deal with, with the son. The older son says, hey, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> dad, <coughs> excuse me, dad, <coughs> uh, dad, uh, are you uh, <coughs> having a party for him? <coughs> all, all this noise is about him, and then he gets into this incredible dispute with his dad. It's amazing. It's amazing. Verse 25, now the older was in the field, and as he came, he drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked uh, what, what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because, because he has received him safe and sound. Your father's killed the fatty calf. <clears throat> so he was angry, and he would not go in. Let me, let me say something to you. When you act out in a family, you don't just hurt one person. Sometimes you hurt siblings too. But here's the lesson. Here's something the father modeled. He tried to talk to him. I love, I love the honesty of the older brother, verse 30. He said, you know, I've never transgressed, verse 29. Your commandment any time, and, and you never gave me a young goat that I may make. You never gave me a party like this that I may make merry with my friends. <laughs> oh, petty, amazing. But as soon as this son of yours who came, came, who's devoured your livelihood, wasted your money, and done it with harlots, it's all about the women with this dude. And now you want, you, you want to kill the fatted calf for him. Watch Watch this father's response. Son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. But it's right that we should make merry. Your brother was dead, but now he's alive. He was lost, now he's found. His father insisted on doing what was right. Are you like this? 
Are you willing to stand up and say, I'm not hating him? Are you willing to take this child back in who, who failed? Are you willing to say, listen, every, listen, listen. I don't care what happened. This is what we're going to do. Now, I want, I want you to be clear. This is a prodigal son who really came home. He wasn't faking. This was a prodigal son who really came to light. Some people fake. This is not a faking moment. When this son really came home, the father really brought him back in the house. There was something strong about this moment. And it makes me say, what kind of father do I want to be? But the joyful part for me, as a flawed person, is to know that this is a picture of my heavenly father. When I heard this teaching years ago, I was a teenager. When I heard it taught for the first time. When someone taught me with the robe and the ring and the shoes and what they symbolized, I'm part of the family. After I fail, I can be reinstated with the same authority that I, I'm not a servant. That I'm a, I, it, it made me feel like he's the God I can trust with my weakest moments. Whether you are a woman or a guy, it doesn't matter. This is a moment for you to catch a hold of a principle. Lift your hands with me, please. Say, I can be honest with the God that I serve. Come on, say, I can be honest. I can tell the truth. Come on, say, I can tell the truth. He'll receive me. He'll love me. Father, we lift our hearts and hands to you because we believe that you alone love us in a way that no one else can. This Father is a picture of you. It shows us, fathers, what we need to be. Some of us have been too hard, too long, and too insensitive. Some of us have been too judgmental of people who have failed. Some of us have been unforgiving of our own siblings because they've embarrassed our family name. Some of us have the heart of the older brother. And Lord, I pray for you to help us today to see ourselves. Help us, Lord God, to lift our hearts and our minds and to say with all of our hearts that we are committed to being more like you. I want you to stand on your feet with me as we go home today. Father, today we leave this place clear. Clear in our minds clear in our hearts we see the need today to bring to you our lives with every head bowed every every eye closed if you're here today and you say pastor ricky temple i want you to pray for me on the way out this door i want to give my life to jesus i want to make a decision I, what you said spoke to me i'm glad that you described a god i can come to i'm glad you showed me that he could receive me in my weakest moments and give me another opportunity if you want me to pray for you wherever you're standing today in this building or even at home, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Who'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Put your hand up high so I can know who I'm praying for today. I'm praying for 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 people, 13 people. Father, I pray for these and those who've raised their hearts, not just their hands. May this be the moment with every hand lifted. We lift our hands in unison together. Joining with these who are saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I need to start a life with you. Thank you for loving me and receiving me and accepting me. I ask you, Lord, to be over my issues.
stand over them, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. Would you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, today I surrender my life to you for real. I give you the lordship of my life. Now, Lord, let this prayer be the beginning of a new life for them and let them leave this place trained, changed and transformed. And we give you the praise and glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Did you learn something today? Did it really help? I hope it helped you a little bit today. You were blessed by today's message. I, I know this sermon had a lot of surprises in it, and it surprised me because it's the first time I ever thought about just focusing on the father, not just the prodigal son, not just the guy who went off and wasted everything. Sometimes we forget it's the father who made this work. Fathers are key to making things work. When a father gets it, the family has a better chance of getting it. The daughters get it, the sons get it. The statistics are amazing. Your life's better, you make better choices, you have better resources, better, a greater net worth. Everything changes when dads focus. So if you're a dad, focus. Even if you're not living with your kids, there's something about being focused as a father and engaging in your process. And that's not lecturing all the time. Sometimes that's just listening, loving, and leading. This father was a listener, this father was a loving father, and this father was a leader and a patient father who waited for his son to find his way. And so let me pray for you and let me ask you, my friend, let this be a moment in your life where your life will never be the same. Father, I pray for those today who've watched this message and I pray that it has lifted them to a new place. I pray they would take what they've heard today and apply it. There's a daughter who has been damaged by a father, a son. If there's been a wife who's gone through problems in her life, she cannot put in perspective because she's watched her kids be fathered the wrong way. There are some parents here, God, who've tried hard but didn't get it right. So let this be a healing moment for them. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. My name is Ricky Temple. I enjoy these opportunities to share with you. I love On Demand because you can share with a friend. So if you like today's message, link it and send it to a friend. Say, listen, this helped me and I believe it will bless you. If you know somebody that's broken, let this message help them become healed. Thank you for the opportunity. Hopefully I get to see you in person sometime at Overcoming by Faith if you're ever in Savannah. But if not, stay with us on demand. You'll be part of our on-demand family. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.